Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. such as the kingdom of God and uh, we want them to come when they're young so they'll come when they're teenagers so they'll come when they're young adults and so on and so forth so we by no means want to hinder child coming to the Lord uh, years ago uh, old evangelist not not just uh, like uh, I mean like probably 1800s years ago old evangelist and he said well how many converts did you have and he said well we had like two and a half and uh, he's talking about two adults and one one child and said, no, that's, it's, it's not half. It's just as much as important as an adult. Amen. For a child to come to know the Lord. For that matter, whenever I think of a child, they have X number of years more in their life that they have that they can devote. Whereas if I came to the Lord 50, I might have 20, 25 years left. But they still have 75 or maybe 70 years left of their life, Brother Trout, that they can devote to the Lord. So it's meaningful to be mindful, amen, of them. We had a good time. Yeah, me and Brother Malone had a good time eating. Yeah, I'm just going to do we did. We just ate spiritual food, natural food, and just had a good time of fellowship uh, there and back. There wasn't really much idle time of silence, just kind of talking back and forth. And so that's good. That's just what, that's what we need, uh, you know, just together as fellowship, as people, as men, as women, as they will do, amen, next week and such and so we're glad for what the lord has done today i'm just going to dive in here this morning and ask you what what if i told you you could change your mind what if i told you you could change your mind and i'm not talking about uh changing your decision or a choice about something i'm not talking about uh you know you were going to turn left and instead you decided you was going to turn right i'm not talking about uh Heath today that, you know, instead of meatloaf, you decide you're going to have a cheeseburger. I'm not talking about that type of changing your mind, but what if you could change your mind? What if you could change, change your brain? What if you could change your brain? Our brains are the central control centers of our bodies and of our actions. They control our thoughts, our emotions, our memories. And people oftentimes come to God and when they come to God and start their journey for the Lord, there are old habits and addictions and activities that they desire to, to put in alignment with God's desires, right? Uh, they, they want to get to a place where they can, as Scripture says, hate what God hates and love what God loves. And yet we know, every one of us, that there's those lingering things fleshly desires that we may struggle with from day to day to week to week. There are even some carnal desires that we have to overcome. And I want to say emphatically, you can overcome, right? I don't want to just always put you in the mode that I can do it, but that, or that maybe it will happen someday, but it can happen. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse number 37, it says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved 
us. All these things that are being referred to there, you can read in Romans chapter number 8. Some of you may remember whenever the question is posed in that chapter, what can separate us from the love of God? And there's a list of things, and those things are those things that's referenced in verse number 37. Amen. Things that we may feel like could potentially separate us from the love of God. All the things that are mentioned of in Romans 8 are things like tribulation and distress and persecution, powers, things present, things to come, right? Height, depth, any other creature. And this, of course, is not meant to be an exhaustive list to just know all the things that could be a possibility or you feel threatened by as a possibility to separate you from the love of God, but they are just a sampling of things. You, you could add other things to that list, maybe from your own life that are threats that you feel like at times could possibly separate you from the love of God, whether they be certain attitudes that arise in your life at some times or maybe some feelings or, as I've already said, you know, addictions maybe that people uh, struggle with. Nonetheless, Scripture tells us plainly because of God in all of these things and all of these types of things, we can, you can be more than conquerors through him. That loved us. And so we are made more through him and by him. If you'll allow me to be a geek just a little bit today. Years ago, scientists believed that the formation of the brain in its pathways or neuropaths took place in our formative years. You know, you should know that your brain has all these cells or these things they call neurons in them. I'm talking about trillions, billions of them. And they have little barriers around them, but they communicate with one another. Little electronic impulses takes place in your brain across from one cell to the other cell. Years ago, scientists believed that uh, all of these neuropaths, these pathways from one cell to the next cell, that all those things took place in our formative years. As we're children and as we're growing up, they were formed. And once those formative years of our life was over, hopes for any type of significant change in our brains was impossible, just nearly impossible. That what a child learned in those formative years, that's the way it was going to be. The rest of their life was going to be patterned after how those things took place in their formative years. But as science goes, newer technology, greater, greater machines for studying these type of things, uh, they have now learned that the brain is alterable. It can change because they have been able to study it more in depthly with better machines and methods of study and they've proven this and they call they say that these changes that happen in our brains your brains these changes are these adaptations of the brain makes and this is just a scientific word and i don't want anybody to get all weirded out on me amen that it makes the brain have neuroplasticity or the brain has plasticity and what that means basically this is that your brain can change Beyond whenever you was even a kid, your brain and the pathways that are in your brain can change. And it means that your brain can interpret things different and even operate different than once it once did. Uh, for Just stay with me a little bit. I do have a point this morning. Just to, to, to show that they could prove this, there was an experiment that was conducted on a monkey. That's We always go to the poor monkeys. But uh, there was an experiment that was conducted on a monkey where... They severed the nerves that was in its first joint of a finger. They severed the nerves that was in the first joint of that finger. And when they did that, they started monitoring the brain that had sensed that 
their, this was their fingertip. Whenever they severed their nerves, the brain actually changed to interpret the end of the next segment as its fingertip. And so then they gave it some time and they reconnected the severed, the severed nerves that was in its actual fingertip. And the brain seemed a little confused for a little while, Sister Margaret, but it learned then that once again, the actual fingertip was the fingertip. The brain picked up on that. So it could change, it could alter when something was severed where the fingertip actually was according to the brain. And so it took a little bit of time for the brain to sort through its new reality in both of those instances, but it could process those things and change and adapt to the new realities that was going on. Uh, scientist James Olds, he's a professor of neuroscience, he said, the brain has the ability to reprogram itself on the fly, altering the way that it functions. In his well-researched book, The Shallows, Nicholas Carr said, our ways of thinking, perceiving, and acting, we now know are not entire, entirely determined by our genes, nor are they determined by our childhood experiences. Listen to this phrase from him. We change them through the way we live. We change them through the way we live. I tell you all that this morning because we need this type of hope. We need this type of hope because when we're born into this world, we're born into this world as sinners. When we're born into this world, we're born into this world with what the scripture calls a carnal mind. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In other words, we're born into this world with carnal minds, and our carnal minds are hostile toward God. Our carnal minds, in many regards, hate God. And so the Scripture tells us that whenever we mind fleshly things or we mind car carnal things, these things are an affront to God. And minding carnal things, of course, would not be in alignment with, with God's law, God's purpose for our lives. Amen. And for that matter, it cannot co coexist. In other words, you cannot harmonize with God, be in relationship with God, and continue to mind fleshly things. And keep, if you will, a constant carnal mind. But the carnal mind, here is the power, amen, of our brains in a science sense, but also in the spiritual sense. A carnal mind can be changed or influenced by the Spirit of God. Amen. The carnal mind cannot be, cannot fulfill the law of God. It can't keep the precepts of God. It can't honor God and still remain its carnality. But whenever you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and you receive the gift of God, he can give you a new mind. If, he, if I can this morning, he can alter your brain. Amen. He can alter your brain because we can't. We know this this morning. People, preachers have preached about it. We cannot fool God in our thoughts, right? We cannot even fool God with our actions. Ezekiel said with the spirit of prophecy upon him in Ezekiel 11, he said, thus saith, this is this is a prophetic word. He said, thus saith the Lord. He says, for I know the things that come into your mind. Every one of them, right? And so the Lord knows the very thought processes of our mind. 
we don't have to do something in order for God to know what we've been thinking. He knows what we was thinking before we even do it. And he knows the very thoughts of our mind, every one of them. So it lets us know that God doesn't just know what comes out of our mouths or what we do, but he also knows our thoughts. And he knows when we follow through on a thought. This is important for us today. He knows when we follow through on a thought. For instance, I'm going to hit them and you hit them. He knows when we follow through on a thought. But he also knows every time we had a thought and we resisted it and we didn't do it which I think is very important for us as church members here today. Amen. Sometimes you can get caught up in looking and watching everybody else's life and see, well, they failed, they failed and failed, but you don't know the number of times the thought was there, but they never acted upon it at the thought level. Huh? You don't know how many battles they won here. Amen. Hallelujah. And they resisted. The psalmist even told us, speaking of God, that he understandeth our thought afar off. And so, God, we can't fool him concerning our thoughts or with our actions. Note this verse of Scripture, and this is repeated a couple of times in the Word of God. But in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9, there is a seer. His name is Hananiah. Amen. He's speaking to King Asa, and this is his words. He says, for the eyes of the Lord. Anybody's heard this? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. You ever heard that? Throughout the whole earth? It's found in other places. But look at this. To shew himself strong in behalf of them whose heart or whose inner man, whose mind, whose will is perfect or whole, all right, toward him. I'm going to stop right there. Because all times, and I'll put myself in the basket, this verse of Scripture about the eyes of the Lord running to and fro over all the earth has often been used in a negative sense that the Lord is watching, that the Lord is looking to and fro for the sake of seeing the wrongs and the flaws of humanity. Matter of fact, probably in my 44 years upon this earth, that's mostly how that verse has been used. The eyes of the Lord are watching and roaming to and fro over all the earth. And it's like, you better watch out, you better not cry, right? Type of thing, because the Lord's watching the wrong you're going to do. But in reality, that is an incorrect usage of this verse. Because the verse tells me why the Lord is looking, why his eyes are going to and fro. Because he's doing it for the sake of looking around for those people who have whole and complete hearts and minds that are toward him. Why? So that he can show his strength on their behalf. He wants to find people, amen, that have totally given their hearts to him and their actions are following suit. Their language is following suit. He wants to find somebody good. Why? Doing good. Why? He wants to come alongside them and strengthen them on his behalf. In other words, he wants to give that pat on the back. He wants to blow a little bit of wind in their sails. He's not looking for someone doing wrong. He's looking for someone doing right. Why? Because the Lord wants to encourage them. The Lord wants to empower what they are up to. Someone say amen. And I need the strength of the Lord. I don't know about you. I need sometimes the extra strength of the Lord to come alongside me. And so he's searching for someone whose heart or mind is perfect, which basically means it is whole. It's entirely, amen, or more so than not, devoted to the Lord. The cardinal rule of thumb 
in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus restates it in the New Testament in the Gospels. But the cardinal rule of thumb that we find in Deuteronomy that's restated in the Gospels is this. And many of you perhaps could quote this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And in some places, might or strength. That is the rule of thumb, to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. Let me geek out here just for a little bit again. When born, our human brain has 100 billion neurons, cells. That's roughly as many as stars there are in the Milky Way. These nerve cells, when we are born, already have 50 trillion connections or neural pathways in between them. Now, folks, that's a lot. And that's all, I'm telling you, that's all in your head. <laughs> all these pathways. As we develop habit, habit creates neural pathways in your brain. In other words, if you were to go to a woods that's never been trampled upon by the feet of men and you walked a path, and every day, each day, you walk that same path where weeds were up to your thighs the first day. The next day, they're going to be kind of stomped down a little bit. But if you continue doing that over a process of time, you could wear a path where there would be no weeds. It would be a dirt path that anybody that went to the woods could go to and follow. That's what habit does to your brain in between yourselves, in your brain, in between those neurons. When you do certain actions, it's like it makes a path, and when you do it again, it travels that same path. It makes it deeper. It makes it more prominent in your brain, so much so that it is the go-to spot of how you act or respond to certain things. If you respond to certain things the same way and you continuously do that through your life, it's the default way to respond. If you get angry over a certain thing, and you've done that for the majority of your life, you've created a path in your brain that that's a rut, that that's the default way then for you to react. And so just as that's created in the woods, those, those things that happen in our brains, uh, per Nicholas Carr, he says, as the experience is repeated, these synaptic links, which are these pathways and connections in our brain, between neurons, they grow stronger, and they grow more plentiful. There's more of them. There's more pathways that all relates to that. Therefore, listen to me this morning. When we talk about addictions or anything that you repeatedly, repeat, repeatedly did in your life before Christ or without Christ, the more you did them, the stronger those paths got entrenched in your brain. The deeper those paths got in your brain. And the more connections that they made with other cells and other neurons in your brain. And their numbers increase. What I'm saying is, when it first started, you might have just had a little platoon. But as you repeatedly done it, you got a massive army of neurons up there. That are all just for the purpose of that action, that activity, that response, that addiction. Someone hear me this morning? Just geeking out just a little bit today. To stop the habit then. After there's been extended practice of this going on, perhaps for years or weeks, 
in, in your brain. It's like if you just started the habit, it would be like me asking you to lift up a small little snowball off the ground. But if you let years be invested in that, it'd be like me asking you to pick up a boulder, a snowball that's rode all the way down the hill and accumulated off the ground, which is easier. The one, of course, at first, rather than things have accumulated. And so there are, with that being said, people come in our church house doors and still yet maybe even here this morning that you may feel like there are certain aspects of your life that was without God that you feel like can't be changed. Hmm? And it can run the gamut. Been pastor for a few years, been in church all my life, so no. Type of, there's people that come in and believe that they can't quit smoking, they can't quit drinking, they can't quit their profanity. Some, there's some people in prisons we go, they believe they'll never be able to get off drugs. Some believe they'll never be able to get back, reined in their sexual irresponsibility. And he can blend over into other things, Brother Fred. There's some believe that they'll never be able to, uh, you know, certain places that they'll still always go and certain attitudes they'll always have and certain ways concerning modesty that they'll always appear. You feel this way because there are paths for those activities in your brain scientifically that's been etched there over time and they have become ruts. You know the phrase that we use? We use, we use this for different applications, but the phrase, you need to get your mind out of the gutter, that has scientific really backing to it because the more you do something, that path gets deeper in your brain. It makes, if you will, a gutter. And so your brain has defaulted to those paths of certain activity, and it can go there more effortlessly, right? I can walk through the woods on a path that is dirt that's been worn down easier than whenever the weeds are up this high. And so it goes the path of least resistance. Amen. And so if you always did something in your life without Christ, the reason why after you come to Christ, that's hard is because you've beat a path there for years and it's the passively resistance. That's your brain's default. But I'm telling you today, you can have a new mind. You can have a new mind in Christ Jesus. Again, the scripture says that my carnal mind is enmity or hostile toward God. And so we struggle. We come to God. We're asking ourselves, how can I love God? How can I love God with all of my mind when my mind, right, is hostile toward God? I tell you how. We need a mind change. We need a mind transformation. The Bible says in Romans 12 and verse number 2, Paul said to the church of Rome, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by how? By the renewing of your... Uh, I don't, uh, Paul, I don't think, was a neuroscientist, but God, the creator of all things, knew all things. He knew that we're going to change habits and practices in people's lives before they come to know me. There's going to have to be a renewal... 
There has to be a renewal of the mind, a transform of the renewing of the mind. Where we talk about the word transformation, uh, it really comes from a Greek word that is where we get our word metamorphosis. All right. It's a changing of habits that takes place through the renewing of our mind. Paul told the Ephesian church, he says, and this is the, the title for my message today is, is the, uh, the spirit of our mind. Amen. And he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He told the Corinthians even this. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. Amen. And so there must be a transformation of our minds. Yes, on a spiritual level, because we couldn't do some of this without him. But whenever you get the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ starts having you do things that you wouldn't do according or by your nature or your natural man. And what the spirit is trying to help you to do is forge new paths in your brain, make new default ruts. Huh? That when Sunday morning goes off and the alarm hits, you're going to church. Why? Because the Spirit has helped you to have a hunger to be in God's house. And so now, rather on Sunday morning, go and do what you used to do before Christ. Now, after Christ, there's a renewal of the mind that my default go-to is the house of God. Because he's helped me create a path in my Amen. In my mind. The word transform, this don't mean anything to you, but let me tell you why it's meaningful. The word transform in Romans 12, 2 is in the passive voice. There's different voices in the read. This is why this is meaningful. What that means then is this. This means the one being transformed isn't doing the transformation, but there's an outside force that is doing it. Because people's tried to change on their own. Tried to change by themselves get frustrated I ain't saying there ain't some aspects that it can be done but it's a very frustrating road but he's saying you're going to be be transformed by the renewing of your mind you will be transformed but it's not so much you doing the transforming there's some outside so force if I could say namely the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost or might I even say the word of God that you ingest into your life there's some outside force that is helping you in this transformation and yes brother Fred I would be wrong to deny I've not seen people come and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and there's been an instant miracle of the mind that there's been instant miracle of old pathways being severed and new pathways made in the moment. The person came in an alcoholic and never drank another sip of alcohol from their day. I'm not saying that can't happen, but I'm saying if that don't happen, the Spirit can help you through process to create new paths in your brain. A literal physical thing take place by the power of God's Spirit. In addition, the phrase transform, again, this don't mean anything to you, but let me tell you why it's meaningful. The phrase be transformed in the Greek language there's different moods. It's in the imperative mood. And what this means is this, is that we have some responsibility in the process. You just told me I don't do the transformation. You don't. But what you do is you become submissive and lend your will to the outside force. You lend your will, your submission to that outside force. Go to Romans 8 with me. There's a few verses of Scripture I want to read, and I'll try to be conscious of time here this morning. Try, try, try to be. Romans 8, some of this stuff's been spilling over my mind and heart and spirit for a few weeks, and so I know it's a little different, but I hope it, it, it helps somebody today. Romans 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do, 
Romans 8, 3. In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son, that's Christ Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Paul tells the Romans, he said, the, what Christ did for you, the law could not do. Christ did something the law could not do. What he accomplished at Calvary is something that all the Old Testament laws and all the amendments to those laws could not accomplish. And then in verse 4, he tells us the purpose of Calvary in verse number 4. He said that the righteousness, God sending his son in the likeness of flesh, condemning sin and all that, he did all that, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. See, we feel at a loss sometimes coming to the Lord because we understand we have a carnal mind. And that as a result of that, according to this, flesh minds fleshly things. And we feel at a loss. But the only way for our mind to mind spiritual things is to acquire a spiritual mind. You can't get that at Walmart or Amazon or a discount store. That comes from the throne of God. But if he gives you a spiritual mind, you will start with his help and with your obedience, start to mind spiritual things. And there can be a change. Amen. Of your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. And so that's what we need. I need to change your mind. Verse number six. For to be carnally minded, we've already read this, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Verse eight. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It feels hopeless. It feels hopeless. But then a transformation happens. By God's spirit and the submission of our will to it. Because verse 9 says, but. There's, there's the contrast. There's the change of direction. But. So, so it leaves us there for a moment. You're in your flesh. you got a carnal mind. It can't please God. It's hostile toward God. This is your dilemma. This is your problem. But it doesn't leave us without hope. It turns around and says, but. He are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. In other words, if you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, if you receive the spirit of God, you're no longer in the flesh. You are in the spirit. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's that of his. You got to have the spirit of Christ to start thinking spiritual thoughts and have a changed mind. It it is necessary. Look at verse 11. Skip down to verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit. That can I tell you? He'll quicken your mortal body. He's, and we've seen it. People raise hands, do things maybe sometime they never did when the spirit gets a hold of them. Amen. And you speak in new tongues. There's a quickening of a of, of mortal body. But let me tell you, you this as well. He will quicken your mind. 
He will quicken your brain with the life of salvation he's just imparted to you. The prophet Ezekiel said it like this. He was prophesying of the day of Pentecost in many regards. He was prophesying, I feel the Holy Ghost, of a day to come in Ezekiel 36. And he basically told them this. He said, when God puts his spirit in you, he'll cause you to walk in his ways. He was talking about that infilling of the spirit that would come. He said, when that happens, that spirit that you receive will cause you to walk in his ways. Why? Because you're going to start minding spiritual things. Things that were deep are going to get shallow and new things are going to get deep and you're going to have a different response, a different attitude, a different emotion. Because God is going to transform your mind, your brain. Renew the spirit of our minds. And when this happens... We then adopt the mind of Christ as our own. Let's think about some of the ways of God, right? He's, he'll put his, he said, he'll put his spirit in you, and he'll cause you to walk in his ways. Here are some of the ways of God. We even see the ways of Christ Jesus upon the earth. What? And we see all kinds through the Gospels. He's praying here, praying there, praying there, praying there. Right? Huh? He's praying. He's all the time in the Word, sharing the Word, reading the Word, giving some type of conveyance of the word there's worship that's taking place his ways prayer just things that we teach new converts people when they first come to God you have a prayer life right you need to do that every day why because we're trying to create a spiritual habit we're trying to forge a path that maybe hasn't formally existed we want you to read your Bible every day why because the more you repeat that action you won't even think about it if you keep repeating you won't even think about it later down the road it's just a common thing you get it out why because you that's the default spot it's easy to travel that well-worn path that's the reason why we advise people amen concerning these things pleasing to god because it's going to help help them and aid them in their new walk because when we come to the lord we need to create some new habits someone say amen is everybody okay? Just let me geek out here for a moment. Let me tell you a neuroscience reason. And listen, just for anybody watching online, I don't have a degree in neuroscience. I don't have a certificate in neuroscience. But I have read a lot of books about the brain because it just it enthralls me. Let me tell you that a, a neuroscience reason why it is crucial for you to come to the house of the Lord and be in an environment where you can see people worshiping, praising, singing God. Our brains also have in them what's called mirror neurons in certain parts of the brain. They are involved in producing behavior, but they are also involved in perceiving behavior. What that means is this, and uh, Dr. William Struthers gives this an example. He says, for instance, if you see someone grab a pen, neurons that would correspond to his or her grabbing the pen are activated in you as well. In other words, if my wife grabbed a pen, there's neurons that fire in my mind as though I am grabbing the pen. They come alert. They come, they come on, on guard. That motor system in my mind, those motor system of cells activate in my mind. When I see a behavior done, it's mirrored in my mind as though 
I can do that. As a matter of fact, he actually says this. He says the cortex, whenever you see someone else do an action, the cortex in your brain says this, I can do that. And it mirrors how it would actually be done in the brain. So, Brother Fred, when we come on a Sunday morning and we stand here and I see you raise my hands, my brain is mirroring in my thought process. I can do that. Those motor skills come alive and alert. I can do that. When someone takes a run around the church, everybody that witnesses that, God has created mere neurons in our brain that in our minds we mirror the fact we start going through the process of our mind as if we were doing the exact same act. When someone else starts singing, you need to be here today because sometimes we need the encouragement of seeing somebody else so that it starts activating some things in our brain. You need good company to be around. Because not every behavior needs mirrored. But what you're picking up on with what's around you is influencing your, your literal, I'm not talking spiritual now, it is affecting your literal mind. Someone say hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now listen to me, there is danger in that. Because the danger in that is this, you can live through somebody else's worship. When your brain says, I can do that, and it's going through all the motions up there as though it is, you can live through someone else's worship. But the positive thing is this, just as we've seen this morning, or as I see Brother Zach Little Graceland oftentimes, man, she sees somebody throw up their hands, you know what she does? She throws her hands up. Because even in an infant in her brain, those things have just triggered off. I can do that. But the difference sometimes between the child and the adult is this. She goes on and follows through what her brain believes it can do. I wish somebody this morning would see someone else clapping their hands to their brain and be saying, you know what, I can do that. And you would submit your will and you would start clapping. I wish you'd see somebody else stand up and throw their hands up and your brain would be saying, I can do that. And then you stand up and throw your hands up. What's going on? God is repurposing, reorganizing, and influencing your mind. He's making you a spiritual mind. though you know but you can't teach an old god dog new tricks they say that's even to a degree true with brain plasticity or the ability of it to change because it's harder for it to happen with age but their words are this that it never goes away entirely does that mean you could have lived your whole life in sin that doesn't mean that you can't get a new mind and transform mind in Christ Jesus and even for 70 year old ruts in your brain to be altered by the spirit and the power and the presence they say that these this circuitry these connections in our brain can weaken or dissolve with neglect we neglect them just and again, just going back to the analogy of a path in the woods. If people follow that path regularly, 
It's going to stay beaten down. It's going to be dirt. But if nobody frequents that, over time, new sprouts of grass and weeds will start pushing through the earth floor. And if it's left alone, Heath, it'll grow up to thigh high all over again due to neglect. How do you neglect something when it was your go-to source? By the power of the Spirit that creates a new habit. I could talk about the brain a lot this morning. But he even tells us that neurons that were once associated with one thing, whenever it's neglected, it's not like they die. They go and join themselves and repurpose themselves to something that is a more meaningful activity to you now. You know what's so awesome about that? Years ago when you as a sinner, Brother Fred, and let's say you, you drank and you had certain cells in your body that that was that go-to spot and they uh, your brain activity was going on toward that whenever you drank and you stopped and came to the house of God, got filled with the Spirit. Maybe you still had some episodes, I don't know. But nonetheless, as you came to the Lord and you started doing other things your brain didn't used to do, worship and praise, it's very possible that those old drinking cells became worshiping cells. You better believe I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. You better believe that old things are passed away. And behold, old things become new. Honey, do you know? Man, that makes me excited to think that there's some old cells that used to be involved in one activity that they had to jump ship because God transformed my mind. And I don't think the way that I used to think, talk the way that I used to talk, live the way I don't behave. Yet. Now, I'm, I'm headed toward close. I see where I'm at. So any repeated experience, any, everybody say any. Any repeated experience influences those connections, those, those synapses, those pathways. Any repeated experience. What you do most and the most consistently will be the deepest path. default spot be the default spot for your life so again we say pray every day have devotion with God every day worship at every opportunity why? through the power of the spirit we're creating new paths new paths that your life should be moved on Norman Doidge, psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, explains, he says, the chemically triggered synapses that link our neurons, those connections, program us. In effect, to want to keep exercising the circuits they formed. He says, once we've wired new circuitry in our brain, Doidge writes, we long to keep it active. So when we get started on a path of a prayer life, our brain hungers to keep that path active. When we make it a, a, uh, a part of our lives of showing up on church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, our brain wants to keep that path. <laughs> you haven't lost your mind. <laughs> I know they say that you lost your mind wanting to go to church. You haven't lost your mind. You got your mind. Your brain's helping you. 
Stand with me today. I'll come to a close. So when we receive the Holy Ghost and God's Spirit, that, that force is working alongside our, our will, our human will. As Ezekiel said, it causes us to walk in his ways. And so as we pray and continue to pray, those new neural pathways in our brains, again, wants, want to keep exercising that new route. They, we want to keep worshiping. We want to keep digging in the word. And they, as the writer of Romans, which is Paul, said, they then that are after the spirit, they'll mind the things of the spirit mind changes. The brain physiologically literally changes. And guess what? You acquired the mind of Christ. What the hope is for me, brother, their child, is I'm glad that my formative years then just didn't set my chart for life. Or the bad home life I experienced. and other things there. Christ says, science says, your brain can be altered. I can't do it, but he can do it. Can we raise our hands all across this place today? There may be people, and I say all of us to a degree, have areas of our... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.